Welcome back to Cast the Pods. I'm your host, Dirk, and this is my co-host, D.E. Writing in straight from the last duel. And this is episode 17, according to my notes. Good job, notes. Look at that. This is, this is probably the only time I'm going to get the number right. This will be an ongoing struggle. But I bet if we change perspectives, it'll turn out that this isn't actually 17. And then you wrote like it upside down and it's 15. I'm looking at the 17 and I don't know how you're getting that number. <laughs> but we will. It's more like an L1. Episode L1. <laughs> So, so we're, we're doing a bit of a um, two movies. We haven't done a two movie comparison in a while. Yeah. And you, you, you have already hinted at our first one, which is The Last Duel. Greatest movie ever. Snubbed from the Oscars. Ridley Scott hit you with a banger. I'm talking uh, bear shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a movie. And then immediately after we watched this movie together, I think both me and our producer, Wendy, decided that like, wow, you know which movie did this incredibly better? Handmaiden. Uh, the Korean movie. I am going to figure out when that came out now. 2016. Oh, thank you. But remember, it's The Handmaiden, kind of like this new Batman oh. movie is The Batman. The, oh, Yes where Robert Patterson is handmaidening the guy from Westworld. You haven't seen Westworld, so I won't say anything after that. <laughs> okay. Spoilers averted. So, The Last Duel and The Handmaiden. Do you want to talk about why we decided on these two movies? Well, I was making a joke, but somebody in our circle, told us that it was, you know, Oscar-nominated. That, that is true, but I think they were just, they saw Adam Driver in something and assumed everything that Adam Driver is Oscar material. Like Star Wars, right? Exactly. Like all three of the new Star Wars. And I went into it not knowing anything about this movie other than mistaking that one Gucci commercial where Adam Driver becomes a centaur is... <laughs> Like that trailer, but really it's just a Gucci commercial where Adam Driver becomes a centaur. And I wish I was making this up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's legit. We're definitely going to link to it. I saw the trailer when I was, I don't remember what movie I was watching originally, but I saw the trailer in a theater and went, oh, oh, oh no, nah, I'm a pass. And I'm someone who enjoys movies set in that time period, like stories with knights and chivalry and all that good stuff. And I instantly saw and went, yeah, no, this is not, it's going to swing and miss real hard. Boy, were we right. It's all because it's your favorite daredevil, right? Oh, the best daredevil. The, the best blondest daredevil. Imagine they made him a redhead like they did in the daredevil movie. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But the reason we, we are comparing it to Handmaiden is because, I guess, spoilers for the last, the last duel, where this movie is told in three parts. And similarly, so is The Handmaiden. But unlike The Handmaiden, The Last Duel likes to waste your time. <laughs> well, the best Daredevil has to find a reason to insert himself in the movie, right? So that entire... Like, part two was just like, hey, 
I help write this. I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm big pimping. I. <laughs> Anyways, do you do you want to give us a uh, synopsis of the last duel? Since you are the medieval guy. So once upon a time there was horses and stuff, right? And then <laughs> no, but it's set in that time period where there was chivalry knights. Paris wasn't even a thing yet, and everyone's French, which again is another thing that bothered us because. Nobody actually had a French accent. None of the actors tried. And so whenever you did hear one kind of extra have a French accent, you're like, wait, hold on. Oh, yeah, I forgot. This is supposed to be in France. Yeah, it's kind of like the musical Le Mis, where everyone has perfect English, even though it's set in France. And you're, you're like, wait, this boy has a Cockney accent for no reason. <laughs> right? Like if, they, if, if everyone had an English accent, then you'd be like, all right, whatever. They're just doing it for us to understand. But no messes with his own idea. The, the most French we got was probably the characters' names of each other. Right. Anyways. But yes, it stars Matt Damon and Adam Driver, also a squire. They have fought together. And they both go on their own separate paths trying to rise their status. Eventually, Matt Damon's character, I guess we should start throwing out their names. You want to hit him with the French? Oh, yes. It's Sir Jean de... Carouge. I probably pronounced it just as well as they did in the movie. You did. You actually, it's exactly how you said it. <laughs> Basically, if you have very little French and say these names, that's how they said it. And Adam Driver is Jacques Legri <laughs> for brutalizing this French. No, we're doing great. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> oh, yes. Jo- Jody Carmer. Yeah, from Free Guy. Or Marguerite de Carouge. This? Carougius? <laughs> Or free gal. <laughs> so Carouge ends up finding a woman, part of a rich family, doesn't really have any love for her. Adam Driver's character, Legree, is the pimp of the town, gives everyone, you know, those four chumps, and all the women love it. And he's like, no, no, I want your wife. I want her so bad. I love her. She needs to be in my life. Then, uh, and Adam, he ends up power driving. What? Adam power driver. <laughs> I was purposely spacing that out because I'm like, he was about to say something. So Adam, yeah, Adam Powell drived her. Very against her will. Yeah. And Karuj wasn't having that. So he said, I'm going to fight you to the death. One might call it the last duel. And if, if that was the series of how the movie went, I think I would be more invested. But instead, this movie chose, like, like we said, this movie decided to do it in three parts. And... Each part is from a different character's perspective. So we first see it from Matt Damon's perspective of Mm -hmm. the entire beef. Then we see Adam Driver's perspective of the whole beef. And then we see it from the perspective of uh, Matt Damon's wife. Mm. Marguerite. I think uh, through every perspective, you learn a little bit more. It advances like... Because they all chose to stop at a certain point. And then they kind of rewind and then show everything again. And... There's like little subtleties where Matt Damon thought he was like the big guy to save Adam Driver. But obviously from Adam Driver's perspective, like when they were in the same battle, Adam Driver thought he was the big hero that saved Matt Damon. So it's like, oh, look at this piece of shit. I had to save him. Yeah, You're so reckless. I saved you, bro. You're about to get stabbed. Yeah, so there, there's stuff like that. But then for the most part, he kind of learned the same thing. So I really feel like this movie kind of wastes your time because you're not really learning anything new because even the big thing 
the, the rape of Matt Damon's wife. And we had to see it twice from the perspective of Adam Driver and the wife. And like through all three perspectives, it's like Adam Driver is kind of a dick the entire time. Yeah. And then like, of course, part three is the one where the wife's perspective is probably the most accurate, where Matt Damon's a bit of a dick. But effectively, you learn the same thing where Adam Driver is kind of a dick in all three. And then it led to the duel. Yeah. So as we were watching it, we said, okay. Ah, the first time that we had that end chapter one, begin chapter two, Mm -hmm. second part. Then you're like, okay, I'm kind of intrigued. But then you realize, as you said, the second part focuses on Legree and Ben Affleck's character, Pierre, who's basically like a rich... He's the lord of the area. Yeah. And I think related to the king. So he kind of controls the politics of the situation. And he's clearly more buddies with Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. To the point where he starts giving him status and not titles, right? Because Adam Driver is still a squire. Right. But he has the status and the financials to do whatever he wants. He's gifted land. And most of the movie, it's Matt Damon's character, Karouche, being like, hey, why is this guy trying to slight me at every turn? Every time I want to do this, he does this. Every time I do this, he does this. Mm-hmm. I have, I'm there killing myself in battle and I finally become a knight and he still doesn't respect me. Nobody respects me. What's going on? Mm-hmm. So then the entire second part is just showing how they how Ben Affleck's character and Adam Driver become buddy buddy and just a lot of reinforcing what we got from the first part, like he said, of Adam Driver being mad creepy. Like he has that line where he's like, If you run, I will chase you. And he says it in a quote unquote playful way, because they're having a big party in the room. Mm-hmm. The next time he uses it though is on Jody Cormer when no one else is in the room and it's not a party and he does the exact same maneuver. So if we cut out that entire second part of the movie, it'd be great. No, it still wouldn't be great. <laughs> like, for the most part, I think part three, like we said, like Jodie Comer's perspective is probably the most accurate one, where Matt Damon is, you know, not the ideal husband that he painted himself to be in part one. Yeah, he can't lay down the pipe. Right. He can only swing a sword, but he doesn't know how to, you know, put it back <laughs> in the sheath. And Adam Driver is, like, creepy as hell throughout all three perspectives. That much is known mm-hmm. and you get a little bit of like her perspective as a woman in the situation because she was raped but she can't really like press charges matt damon has to be the one to press charges and then now it's like oh now you're pregnant even though you haven't been pregnant with matt damon all along maybe you actually enjoy being and then it's like just a whole mess from her perspective but honestly like you could have had the actual bits of relevance from each perspective piece it all together and you can shave maybe 45 minutes away from this movie so kind of jumping ahead it's funny that you mentioned that because the handmaiden we saw and after we finished watching you guys who have seen it before were like wait hold on we saw it originally a longer version and it turns out there is an extended cut of that movie Mm -hmm. so like the version it was new to me but you guys said that the version that you watch had more that filled in kind of more background characters and more gratuitous sex scenes that's my memory of it anyways but that was also from when it first came out yeah and i think it's similar for uh wendy when she watched it or, or is this definitely needed a cut and he's like no no it's good yeah it's good how it is yeah it's magnifique i mean by the by the all three perspectives you end up caring about the duel you're very invested because marguerite is going to be basically be burned at the stake yeah, if she's proved 
that she was lying, basically, if her older husband loses a fight to the younger Adam Driver. Because they're doing it trial by combat, and they're like, oh, we're going to leave it in God's, God's hands. And then the victor is the one who is right, basically. And should uh, Marguerite be wrong, then we'll just set her on fire. Yeah. What a, what a grand old time. Baby and all. <laughs> by that time, you're really invested in the duel. Which I will say, the last chunk of the movie is the strongest part, right? Like, it ends right. strong, but because we were so bored yeah. and turned off by that middle part, we're like, uh, okay, it's not enough to save it. I, I just think it could have been shorter. So, we then move on to Handmaiden, because immediately after, we're like, this movie didn't need three parts, but here's a movie that actually did it in three parts and did it well. I guess in Handmaiden, it was more two people's perspective. And then eventually part three is kind of after you see both perspectives and then you see the new events that occur after. Mm-hmm. Which, which actually makes me think maybe even if Last Duel did it in two parts, just two people's perspectives, it would have been more tolerable. But because they did it three times, I think that's when we stopped caring. Yeah, it was already two rapes too many, but they're like, you want to see it again? <laughs> you wanna? But but from like more traumatic again, which is probably the most accurate version. Yeah, and also it's hard to compare, right? Like the visuals in The Handmaiden were stunning. Right, yeah. It's like boring old England and shitty farmland and gray. Doesn't hold up to like the lush. It was set in what, the 1940s? Somewhere in that period, 1930s in Korea. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like like I said, you guys seen it before, but for me watching it, it, that movie goes places, man. Like those Korean writers, they, man. <laughs> well, it's the same same director as Old Boy, which we've yes. which we talked about, and also a big fan of Big Twist. Takes you for a ride. Yeah, it takes place in Korea, but that has been occupied by Japan. I guess there's a there's a rich rich person who's trying to become Japanese. I guess and. He's trying to everything to become Japanese by marrying a new Japanese wife, trying to inherit all these like Japanese literature. Most of the it's erotic literature, but he just acquired all this stuff that is Japanese. And after his wife passed, there is rumors that he's planning to marry his niece. And so in comes this group of Korean hustlers, I guess, and they're trying to sneak their way in to try to marry Denise before the uncle does his whole thing mm-hmm. and then run off with the fortune, basically. So part one is from that perspective of the people trying to sneak in to try to, I guess, groom her to fall in love with this other guy. Yeah, that's what I word. Yeah. And then they're doing this by sneaking in one of the Korean girls as a, the handmaiden for Lady Hideko. Yeah, so she will end up being like the inside girl on the job, being like, oh yeah, that guy's so handsome. Look, he's trying so hard. Oh, he brought you this. Oh, how nice. He took you on this date. Oh, you should definitely get married to him. And what she didn't realize is that while she's there, she didn't anticipate to kind of fall in love with the lady. Eventually, it kind of feels like the lady's also having feelings for her too. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, I, I would date this count, but like... What if I like someone else? And then there's a bit of the struggle and back and forth. But because the handmaiden is 
obviously tricking her. Yeah, and financially motivated too. Right. So she is, she is like basically committed to this, even though that she has romantic feelings for her. And at the end of part one, we find out the big twist was that the plan all along was to dress up the handmaiden girl as the lady to admit her into the asylum, and then have the lady run off, pretend to be the handmaiden, and they would split the cash and run off. Which I definitely almost threw my popcorn. So that was twist number one of the whole thing, and that's the end of part one. Already, like such a strong start compared to last duel. Yeah, because last duel leads you up into you know the event happens because we're following Karuj in part one. We don't see the event. We just see him coming back. The wife's acting different. And then she tells him what happened. And he, in his perspective, he goes up and gives her a big hug. In the truth, he doesn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does something even more foul. But uh, yeah, he gives her a big hug and then says, you know, we got to fight this. We're going to take this to the highest of highest courts. We're going we're gonna to put his name out into the dirt until he does something about it. Fight me like a man. And that's where that part ends. Compared to that, you were like... Whoa! This whole time you're following a heist, and you're like, "Okay, cool, this is gonna happen." And then you, as the viewer, are also getting swindled. He's like, "Wait, hold on, that's not the plan you told me." Yeah, what's going on here? And like, I think in the going back to the last duel, like the only really mystery from part one that leaves you kind of wanting to think was she actually raped? Because you only saw it from Matt Damon's perspective, who was gone during the time that she was raped. Mm-hmm. So we're just taking her word for it. And just the fact that Adam Driver is creepy from Matt Damon's perspective. So now you're questioning, did this actually happen like it's described? And then come part two, you're like, oh, exactly as it was described. Yeah, as soon as you get more time with Adam Driver in the beginning of part two, you're like, oh, no, he definitely did it. And he's done it multiple times. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So segueing back to part two of Handmaiden, now we get to see it from the lady's perspective. And now you're like, oh, shit, we have this huge twist. So, like, the entire story flipped on its head. And here we find out the lady and actually the guy faking as the Count actually had this whole master plan to do this in the first place. Yeah, this is where the story makes, like, the hardest of hard laughs. Because, <laughs> like I said, part one, you're like, cool, it's a high story, you know? Get in, sneak, get out. Yeah. All right, cool, cool, I'm, I'm here with this. And then it's like, no, 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 there's the basement. So we, we find out that the, the uncle and the person who owns the castle had a collection of, I guess, erotic literature. And it was revealed that the first Japanese wife that he had, he basically forced to do these readings, sexy readings to men in an attempt to advertise for the books that he's planning to sell. Yeah, it was, uh, it was ASMR porn before ASMR porn. Yeah, and there will be visual demonstrations. There's a whole wooden mannequin and everything, and the men would get all hot and bothered, and then they would want to buy the books. Yep, so he made his money. But then he also didn't want to part with his actual books. This is before the days of scanning everything. Mm -hmm. So then he had to get someone to create forgeries, and that's where our counts came into play. Our fake Korean counts entered the life of the lady... And that's where they hatched a plan where we're actually going to escape. And in my place, we will find the dumbest Korean 
like a country pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll put her in my place. It'll be perfectly fine. And we find out through her perspective, this was all part of the plan, except she fell in love with the handmaiden. She caught feelings. Which obviously now leads to them having sex. Which you get that in multiple perspectives and then like an extended version in the second part. Like, no, no, it wasn't just this. It kept going. It kept going. There was, there was more sex. Now it made it really hard for the lady to commit with her plans. Like in the same way in part one, it was hard for the handmaiden to commit to her plans. Now it's hard for the lady to keep up with her plans. And so she actually contemplating on committing suicide uh, in the same way that her aunts, quote unquote, committed suicide. Mm -hmm. When she attempts to commit suicide, the handmaided lady shows up and then that's when she spills the beans. It's like, oh, no, I was trying to trick you. And then as she was hanging from the tree, she's like, no, I was trying to trick you. <laughs> so I guess we're even. That was funny. That was a good moment because, again, you have the beautiful tree. Yeah. This woman hanging from it and the camera is set to her perspective. So you're like, okay, there goes the fall and she doesn't move. And she just makes her face like, Ugh, let me go. And you look down and it's a handmaiden holding onto her legs like, no, what I love you. No, don't stay up here. Don't. And then when she's explaining, yeah. she gets mad and lets go of her legs like, what? I can't believe he's going to double cross me. She's like, oh, wait, wait, my bad, my bad. You're choking. <laughs> <laughs> in reality... At that point in time, that's when they decide there's going to be a new new switch in plans where the two of them are going to team up and then somehow trick the Count, the guy who's faking to be the Count, mm -hmm. but still escape at the same time. So by the end of part two, or like near the end of part two, the story once again is flipped on its head. Yeah. You're like, oh, you think you know what's going on? You still don't. Are there still minutes left in this movie? Yeah. You still don't know what's going on. Do you like twists? Well, it's, it's going twisting again. So, so good. Uh, such a great moment. You get the, a really beautiful shot of them uh, running off with the man in the most inefficient screen door opening sequence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where you bring the suitcase, you put it down in front of the door, you kneel, you open the screen door, you pick up the suitcase, approach the next screen door, repeat. But so well shot, so beautiful. But it was, it made, yeah, exactly. It was a beautiful shot. So now we enter part three, where effectively the plan was to screw over the guy. Now we're, now we're back at the uh, asylum. And the handmaiden escapes from the asylum with some help with her friends back in her hometown. Yeah, the team gets together. They definitely could have had their own like, little side movie of them doing adventures and them scamming people before. Because mm -hmm. everyone had like a distinct personality. There's like the stuttering guy... There's one who you could tell kind of led everything. There's one who's jealous of her. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think uh, in the extended version that we might have watched, I think there was a slightly more involved scene of them breaking her out. Like you see a little bit more, not just like, oh, we set a fire, we're going to go. I think there was like a little bit more planning and leading up to that. Mm -hmm. So when I was watching the movie um, and he's leaving the manor mm -hmm. and leaving the lady... He calls her over to the car. She, you know, bows, leans by the window, and right. he says, don't forget the basement, and drives off. And so I thought it was something between them, as in like, yeah. hey, if he tries anything, don't forget 
you know, we have some, no, no, it was a threat. Like you better stay in your lane. Cause if, I, if you do anything, I'm going to take you down to the basement. It's like, I will, I will find you. Yeah. Take you to the basement. Exactly. It hits so much harder as like, yeah, that's his goodbye to her. Right. Like, don't forget you're my property. Yeah. You fuck up. I'm taking you to the basement. Don't forget about the basement. It was, it was so intimidating. Yeah. So then we get to see all the horrors of the basement. So there's like a lot of butchered body parts. There's a lot of, there's an octopus. That's not that's not part of the horror, but I think that's just there for emphasis. You know, it, it's made an appearance in one of the erotic novels, so who knows how he would have used it or how he has used it in the past. He has like the first hentai or something, and then now he, he owns an octopus because he was so inspired. Yep. <laughs> and while he's there torturing the guy, he's like, so you had sex with her, huh? How was it? How was it? Because from our perspective, yes, they consummated the marriage. She lost her virginity. But did she? And then you see the flashback of him being like, no, I just had to just stand there and watch. <laughs> yeah. She took care of herself. <laughs> and just kind of watched. The whole time the uncle's muttering and saying like, oh, what was it like? Was it, was it good? Was, and he's using all the words that he learned in his book. Mm-hmm. Oh, such a good scene. So creepy. And I, I think what was uh, really interesting about the scene, or I guess uh, how the scene eventually ends, is that like, because the Count is a fake, he is a hustler, he's always had a backup plan should he be caught in this exact situation. So throughout the entire time, he's a notorious smoker. And as soon as he knew he was fucked, he, he just starts smoking all his cigarettes. Mm-hmm. Until finally he gets to the basement, he asks for his last two cigarettes, which are different colored. And then that's when it was revealed the cigarettes are actually laced with mercury and so yeah it's just like i'm fucked i'm smoked this i kill me and then in this case because there were no windows in the basement he also ends up killing the uncle as well good old murder suicide gotta love it very shakespearean yeah it's like poison i'll kiss thy lips kind of situation right <laughs> yeah so, so we end up with like the two the two lovebirds uh escaping and and enjoying themselves on a boat. Yep. And that's basically the whole movie. So what we learned from this, right, is if you look at uh, Marguerite's ending and you look at The Handmaiden and The Lady's ending, is that men are trash? hmm mm-hmm. Because Marguerite's like, cool, my husband died. I'm never getting married again. All men are garbage. My husband, who I was married to, couldn't make me orgasm. And then I got raped by another dude who liked me. Yep. And then these two are like... Yeah, no, we're just going to run away and live our own life because... For, forget all these men. All the men around us. Yeah, all the men around us just want to use us for things. Well, like the uncle's just trying to use her for her like sexual book advertising proudness, I guess. Yes. Yep. And then... Her being an influencer and a content creator. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Buy this book. It's so sexy. <laughs> I'm so sexy. And then... I guess the fake count just wanted her for the money. Well, it was supposed to be business, right? It was supposed to be that, yeah. And then she started seducing him, and he's like, well, I'm willing to break the rules. And she's like, got your dumbass. Overall, I would say The Handmaiden had more of a, like, a happy ending. <laughs> well, well, poor Marguerite just had to be like, well, now I get this husband that can't, can't satisfy me. Well, no, he died, right? He ended up dying in the Crusades. Oh, yeah, he dies. Oh, okay, so that's her happy ending. 
yeah, her happy ending is he dies, she keeps all the money, and she gets to raise her kid and live on the man and live on like all the property. Because the movie also showed that she was good with finances. Oh, yes. Because her husband was a claffy and only wanted to fight, didn't want to like manage the land that he had, didn't want to collect tithe from anybody or anything. So when she was doing that, she's like, oh, look, we were signed to make money. No, <laughs> The mom's like, so that's your priority? What about popping out a baby? So yeah, she got to stack all of her coins, live her best life, you know, buy all the dresses she wanted. Know that no amount of cleavage is too much. Her her husband won't just yell at her anymore. Exactly. Call her a harlot or whatever he said. How, how did you like The Handmaiden since you saw it? You liked it? You enjoyed it? Yeah, no, I liked it. It was a roller coaster. Like that second half, I was like, oh, this is going, this is going places. Wait, what? <laughs> We again we glossed over it, but we're assuming you watch the film. When he starts having her and the aunt is teaching her how to read certain words in Japanese, and you're like, okay, yeah, you know, it's like eye, ears, nose, mouth, nipples, mm-hmm. balls, testicles, vagina, vagina, and you're like, wait, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And it's no, she wants to have perfect pronunciation of those words, so she. Because that's going to be the content she'll be reading. And you're like, no, she's a kid. This is wrong. Oh, where is this going? And it goes places. And I think at the time, it was the first wife. So her aunt was effectively teaching her how to do this. Yeah. While under the supervision of the uncle. So clearly the uncle was trying to already trying to groom her even well before her aunt tried to presumably run away and then was eventually killed through torture. 1,000%. Mad gross. And we know it's based on a book called, what, The Fingersmith? Finger Maiden. But... No, wait, that's Elden, that's Elden Ring. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is... <laughs> oh, no. That's too much Elden Ring. <laughs> Which you haven't been playing, right? You've just been doing your thing of being a game historian. Yeah. And reading all the lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very hard when you don't play the game. Yeah, you're, you're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, what I was saying is it's interesting having it set in that time period where, because again, this is not something I would have thought of, but people were like, yeah, you know, if I could pass for Japanese, I'm going to do it to get a better life. Mm -hmm. Especially because at the time they were being occupied by Japan. Mm -hmm. I haven't done too much research on the book, but I wonder if there was like an equivalent situation where they were trying to be someone else in attempt for status. Probably. In that book? I think the book is supposed to be what, Victorian era uh, England? Yeah. But some more or less the same thing, so probably. Yeah. From what I hear, there's also lots of gratuitous sex in that book. So the movie just did it justice, I guess. Yeah. She's like, you want to see what I can do with these balls? Do you like bells? Do you like this roll of bead bells? And when when you guys were looking up the extended cut information, I was just looking up like little things about the movie. And... People did seem to have a strong reaction to it, that it was like a lot of complaints were that it was over-sexualized. It's probably similar to the source material, right? Uh, I would presume to be so. Are you talking about the extended cut or like just people's reaction to the extended just, cut? Yeah, people, no, people's reaction to the film in general. Oh, to the film in general. Is this mostly Western audience reactions or is this, I'm just curious. Probably. Uh, yeah, maybe they're just not used to seeing... I guess, like, from the title Handmaiden, you go in and then you don't really expect a lesbian relationship unfold. And so maybe that caught some people off guard. 
maybe some people brought their like 10 year old kids it's like we're gonna watch a movie about korean and japanese history oh no mistake <laughs> is there any final thoughts you wish to wrap up these two movies uh yeah like i think i summarized it pretty well in conclusion the men are trash and maybe if matt damon and adam driver were just to like make out like they did in handmaiden maybe they would have came up with a plan to destroy the wife <laughs> on their own <laughs> and that maybe have been a more interesting story they just both get on their horses and then charge towards the tower that she's in yeah <laughs> like wait hold on what <laughs> but yeah uh the men are trash yeah thank goodness they've evolved from uh you know that terrible time because both of these movies are set in the past right so you know thank thank goodness we got better how how would you rate these movies? Okay, so The Handmaiden, I would rate nine scissors out of ten. Ooh. But this is a pair of scissors. So not just one, you know, like not nine pairs of scissors. Yeah, nine scissoring scissors out of ten. Ooh, okay, alright. And the last duel, I'll rate four four cleavage dresses out of ten. Ooh, that's that's not in a cleavage. It's not. I would say the last duel is one horse falling on Adam Driver's leg, but not breaking it. <laughs> and The Handmaiden was 10 old boy twists out of 10 old boy twists. It's so good. Now, when you say old boy twist, do you mean that part where the guy was doing that yoga pose while he was crying and his body was making like basically a half moon crescent? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So like 10 yeah, of those yeah. out of 10? Just checking. Ten of those. Got it. Ten of those naked yoga pose while crying. Out of ten. Uh, so good. Great director. Watch both of these movies. Not The Last Duel. Or do it if you like pain. <laughs> Watch both of these movies. Not the movies that we're talking about, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's our show. Goodbye. Scissoring it out. This episode of Captain Pods is brought to you by Dee and Dirk. Produced by Wendy Tao. Edited by Wendy Tao and Dirk. Music by Davide Corelli. 